You're listening to Women's Cricket Chat with Hannah and Alex. Coming up on today's podcast, we've got Surrey and England women's cricketer, Bryony Smith. We talked to Bryony about her career so far, what she hopes to achieve with the Surrey Stars, and we also talked to her about her decision to not stay local for the 100. You must have a lot of stash now with, obviously, County, KSL, Rachel Hayes Flint Trophy and England as well. So, yeah, how do you manage all of that? It drives my parents mad, so I'm still at home. But, yeah, I've got a lot of boxes around the house, just slowly taking over any space I can find. I've got a delivery of new bats and stuff the other day, so the front room's just covered in boxes. As soon as I open it, the last thing I want to do is start putting stuff away. So I just sort of, I leave my mark. I'm very good at that, just sort of leaving a trail. There's a lot of stuff here. I'm trying to throw some stuff away, but I like keeping stuff, you know, when it means something. So, yeah, there's a lot of just random stuff all over the place. Well, if you need any help getting rid of any of your stuff, I'm (laughs) sure we can probably do something on Twitter and get some young girls, some of your old kit or something. That's right. My mum just walks around the house wearing it most of the time. She's she's a PE teacher, so she just goes into school in like full kit sometimes, like full England kit. Oh, I love that. Someone's got to wear it, haven't they? Well, we will ask some more serious questions as well. It's like you just gave me an opportunity to talk about stash. So I guess the first question, which we always like to start off with, is can you just introduce yourself in your own words and tell our listeners a bit about who Bryony Smith is? Yeah, so I'm currently playing for the South East Stars down here, which is nice. And then I've played my county cricket at Surrey since I was nine. So I'm a proper Surrey girl. And then England-wise, uh, made my T20 debut in 2018 out in India and then my ODI debut at Chelmsford in 2019 against the West Indies so yeah I've been been around a while I'm only 23 but I've been sort of in and out of setup for quite a few years. Just touching on your 2020 debut what was it like to play in a tri-series against India and Australia in India? Yeah it was a bit of a shock to the system really thrown in at the deep end so my debut was against Australia which is sort of something you you dream about when you're younger really it was a weird tour because it came out of nowhere really I was working full-time at the time um, in a school so I had to sort of beg for a month off work didn't go down too well but um, yeah it, it was a very much being in the right place at the right time so I was on the England Academy at the time and Mark Robinson and Ali Maiden were just sort of floating around and they were watching me bat and I was batting pretty well. And they sort of said, why didn't you, like, why don't you come and train with the full-time girls once a week up at Loughborough and just see how you get on. It would give you a bit of extra training time. And then from there, about what, three months later, I was sat in a room with Robbo and he said, you're coming to India. And it was a bit like, oh, okay. Wasn't expecting this, but I'm not going to say no. So yeah, a bit of whirlwind, but um, no, it was an amazing experience. For, obviously the first time I've been to India. And it was, you know, if I didn't play cricket, I probably would never go. So it's an amazing place to be. Did you find going to India a culture shock? Because a few of our guests who've been on, they've talked about their experiences in India and they said that was completely different to being in England. So I wanted to get your opinion as a first timer in India. It was mad. Like just as soon as we got there, really, in the airport, you're just like swarmed with people coming on to say hello. And it was 
it was a bit like, whoa, what is, what's happening here? I was, what was I? I was 20, so I was still pretty young. And I remember sat, sitting in my hotel room and all you can hear is just car horns 24 hours a day. And I was like, how on earth am I going to sleep in this? But um, you get used to it. But yeah, just everyone just loves cricket out there. And it was mad just walking down the street and people would just come up and want to talk to you about cricket and everything. And, you know, it's something that I think that's probably one of the only places you're going to get that. You certainly don't get it here. So, yeah, it was, it was amazing, really. And you said like your debut was against Australia. So how were you feeling in that moment? Like you've got all of these big names like around you in that England squad, but also the giants of Australia. Looking back, I don't remember too much of it because it was such like an amazing day. So I debuted with Katie George and Alice Davis and Richards. So it was nice to have the three of us in it together. Yeah, I remember standing in the, we bowled first, I can tell you that. I remember standing in a field and that civil was opening the bowling and that was normal for me because I'd played with her for sorry for so many years. And I was like, oh, it's just another game. And I think one of the first balls came to me and I was like, oh, OK, I'm in front of a crowd here in an English shirt. I'm going to have to stop this. This is the first time I'm going to stop the ball in an English shirt. And it's just a bit like, oh, what is going on? But yeah, I remember batting and Healy was behind the stumps, obviously keeping. And I was just like, this is weird. Like I was watching these guys on TV not long ago. and you got Meg Lanning stood there at extra cover and then Elise Perry, you know, names that I grew up, you know, watching on TV and just reading stuff about them. And it was just so weird. But it took a while to sink in, I think, afterwards, the fact that, OK, that's actually just happened and it wasn't wasn't just a dream. And then there's obviously been quite a break since as well. So you had that kind of tournament experience and then it's been a little bit quieter around the England scene. So how have you managed that so far? Because it can be quite difficult, especially for like young players to get that taste and then have to wait a little bit longer. It was hard. So coming back from that tour, 2018, I then can't remember what I did. Obviously went back and played for Surrey and I was still in the sort of England academy at the time. So I had those games and then county games but it it was weird it was almost you go from the high life of being on England tour and then you come back I was straight back into full-time work which is really weird because I don't think so I worked at a school and I don't think the staff or the girls really understood that it was like a proper England debut it wasn't like under 19s or um like academy status it was actually the the real deal so it took them a while they didn't believe me really, some of the girls, until I showed them the picture. They didn't think, because obviously I'd, I'd go in to work and say, yeah, I play cricket at a high level. But until I showed them a photo, they were like, oh, so you actually, you are quite good then. A bit rude, but yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for believing in me. But um, but yeah, and then the build up to my ODI debut, that wasn't really expected for me because I'd always sort of been a T20 player, but then I'd scored loads of runs in the county games leading up and I played for the for like the England A side against Australia and the West Indies when they came over to tour and I got runs against them and it was just a bit like okay this could actually like I'm in good form here this could actually happen and then it wasn't till the last game of the West Indies series that I got the call up but um, yeah you know if you've got runs under your belt then there's always a good chance and I think now even more than back then that's going to happen more I think with all these contracts as well yeah because if I'm right and I've got the right stats written down so it was 2018-2019 you hit 256 runs at 42.66 and then 347 at 57.83 
So that's a very impressive kind of two years back to back consistency. <laughs> I don't know my own stats, so I'm just going to believe you. But yeah, so that's straight away. That's two very impressive seasons. Consistency, absolutely key, as people always mention. So going yeah. into that year, like those two years must have been pretty crazy, like you just mentioned. People always talk about the gap between county and international and it is it is big so you know having runs at county level is great but actually could I do it at the next level I still didn't really know but yeah any cricket really if you score runs you're going to feel pretty good so that was I never looked too far ahead in a county game my my goal was to go out and score runs and win the game for the team and that's all I pretty much cared about and if it led to other things then great but if not I still you know I'm really competitive I still wanted to win that game with working alongside your cricketing career how do you find a happy balance between the two probably I didn't it was a shock to the system so I worked I was only meant to work there for a year so it's like my gap year post because I knew I didn't want to go to uni and all that so I went and worked and then I ended up staying another year because I pretty much hadn't figured out what I wanted to do so the second year so I was pretty much training full-time as well because I'd made that debut I was still going up to Loughborough sort of two three days a week and I was just like what how am I going to do this you know I'll go to work straight after work I'd have to go and do gym sessions running sessions drive somewhere to play some cricket and I was just like what is going on how am I going to get through this next year so yeah it was really hard but looking back it was probably good for me because it taught me like now I am professional actually I know what other people are going through who haven't got that contract and are still trying to do the same thing so yeah it kept me grounded certainly you know when the girls are it was an all-girls school as well so they were like miss why are you what are you doing like why have you got I'd have to come to work with all my gear all my cricket gear and they'd be like what on earth are you carrying that is massive what are you doing but no it is hard but the more I did it probably the more I enjoyed it as well so I liked being busy I didn't want too much downtime and you mentioned there that you didn't want to go to university but that you're constantly going up and down to Loughborough so did Loughborough ever come into your mind because obviously it's not a podcast without talking about Loughborough no if I did go to uni I'd never wanted to go to Loughborough I don't know why no offense but yeah I wasn't the biggest fan of school in fact I probably yeah I hated school it's not that I wasn't good at school I would you know I did pretty well in my grades and stuff but I just didn't like it and I remember in sixth form so long story short so I did my AS levels in year 12 and then my sixth form shut down. So I had to um, move schools for year 13. So that was a bit of a palaver. And then I remember my teachers saying, right, you need to do your UCAS and everything or whatever, personal statements and all this. And I was just like, no, I can't do it. I'm not going to go. What's the point? And they'd get fed up with me because obviously new school, they didn't really know what I was doing. And my, I remember my psychology teacher just before exams, it's like, right, Brian, you've got to choose. Is it cricket or exams? And I looked her in the eye and I said, Miss, you really don't know, want to know the answer to that because it's not the one you want to hear. And she sort of looked at me like, OK, so you are quite serious about this cricket thing then. And it's a bit like, well, well, yeah, what do you think I've been doing? Why do you think I've missed days off school to travel to Loughborough Uni? Like, what do you, what do you think I'm doing in my life? But, but yeah, it's, yeah, uni, not for me, especially Loughborough. Couldn't tell you why, just... I spent too much time there. I didn't want to spend any more. Don't worry, I'm not hurt <laughs> whatsoever. And um, so, what made you want to work at a school? I mean, I'll pass you over to Alex afterwards. <laughs> it was weird because, yeah, as I said, I didn't like school, and I said I'd never step foot in a school again. 
And then two months later, I was sat around the desk. It was mainly because I didn't have anything else, to be honest. I got my grades, that's great, but I didn't want to go and do a normal like desk job because I couldn't think of anything worse, really sat behind a desk. But it came up, so as I said earlier, my mum's PE teacher, so she knew that this school had like a gap year role sort of there. And I was like, you know what, let's go for it. It would give me another year to figure out what I want to do in my life. Give me a, a bit of a plan B, just in case if I did like it, I could always go and do like a learn on a job teaching sort of thing. So I thought, why not? Let's give it a go. And yeah, one year ended up being two. Yeah, we went from there, really. What <laughs> made you decide to become a cricketer? I'd always grown up around cricket. So my I've got an older brother who is four years older than me. And my dad also play. Well, they both attempt to play still at sort of club level. So I was always there on a Saturday in the summer, sitting on the boundary, just getting bored, really. So I just picked up a bat and ball and started playing. But yeah, my whole family's sporty, really. So I grew up playing squash as well. My dad's a squash coach. So I was always playing at the weekends. There'd be squash tournaments and cricket matches. So I'd have to sort of go back and forth a lot. But yeah, the first time I played was for my brother's team. It was his under-11s team, so I was about seven. And they were short. So he was like, right, you're just going to have to come and field. Like, don't worry about it. Just stand there. And ended up opening the bowling and bowling two boys out and making them cry. So (laughs) that's why I've really played men's cricket, really, just to make some people cry. So I played all through, like, the boys' age group system at the club. Played men's cricket as well. And yet... You sort of, your name sort of spreads really like, oh, that club's the one with the girl playing. You know, is she allowed to play in the boys stuff? It's always from the parents, really. The boys were fine with it, but the parents were like, is she allowed to hear like she's made my son cry? I'm like, well, tough, get over it. But yeah, and then from there, like getting into the Surrey system, you sort of start playing a bit more seriously. And then once I'm sort of 16, I've fully focused on cricket, stopped playing squash. It's like, right. Like, let's give this a go. I'm actually quite good at this. But not until, I'd say, the first year of the Super League back in, I can't remember when it was. I was 18, I can tell you that. And then we had an overseas player called Renee Farrell from Australia. So she played with us and I had a pretty good season. And she sort of said to me, you you do know you could, like, you could make it, like, you could be good at this. So I learned a lot from her. She helped me a lot. And I was like, OK, let's let's see what I can do. Let's get through this school business. Let's just finish that, get some grades just in case. But let's give it a good crack. And yeah, it's been pretty good from then, really. Having played squash, do you think that's helped you in terms of batting, in terms of watching the ball come onto the bat and stuff like that? Yeah, I think the hand-eye coordination definitely helps. And then just it helps a lot with like the competitive side as well. I said earlier, I'm very, very competitive. Once I step over that white line onto the pitch um a completely different person which surprises a few people but um yeah definitely that sort of hand eye the movement side as well like moving your feet quickly which is obviously really important in batting but yeah if I always try and play a little bit when I can but that's obviously at the moment is not possible and thinking about women's cricket when was the first time you really witnessed or experienced seeing women's cricket it well, probably wasn't that long ago, to be honest. So the 2009 double World Cup win, I didn't really know it was happening. So I would have been in like, just started secondary school by then. Yeah, I didn't really know it was happening, but I knew a few names. So I knew of Ebony, Raven Brent, 
because she was at Surrey and I actually it was really embarrassing so I was asked to do like a photo shoot for a new cricket book I was probably 11 and I was just like okay I'll go and do it because they just need a female to fill in and then she was there as well and I was just like who who are you <laughs> I didn't say that to her but in my head I was like who who is this woman you know she had like her England bag on as well and I was like oh she must be quite good then and then every time I see her now on, we're both like, do you remember that awful photo shoot we had to do, like pretending to hit a ball? It was so bad. It was for a book. I don't think the book ever got published, but um, you never know. It might be out there somewhere. But um, yeah, so that's when I sort of first realised that there was like an England team, really. And from then, because Ebony was at Surrey, I was like, oh, who plays for Surrey women? Let's see if I can find out if they even have a team. But yeah, I think I went to watch... It was a few years after I went to watch a game at Hove. I can't remember who it was against. It might have been Australia, but that was like the first time I'd ever watched like live women's cricket. And then from then on, yeah, started following it properly, obviously, and had to actually watch it and work out a few names from there. So you've already mentioned, obviously, like Renee Farrell, but who else amongst the, let's take it back to the county system and then we'll progress through to like KSL and all that kind of stuff. So who do you think was the people who were giving you the most inspiration? County-wise, so when I was around like the first team set up at Surrey, our captain was a lady called Cecily Scott. She stopped playing now, I think. But um, she was very like down to earth. She wanted me, she'd watched me play like under 17s or something and was like, okay, just come in to our team and just play the same way. Easy said and done. But like, just come in and be around the girls a bit and let's let's go from there and yeah she always had my back even if I was having a really bad time she's like just do what's best for you and you know if you get out trying to hit a six that's fine that's how you play sort of thing and then yeah she like we're still in contact today and we still message every now and again and my first season for the first team we had an overseas Rachel Candy from New Zealand and she was sort of that same sort of character like she would chat to me about cricket and other stuff and was just like, if you want to give it a go, give it a go. And if you ever need any advice, let me know. So they're two pretty grounded people around me, which is always good. And then obviously with the Kia Super League that came in in 2016, obviously had a short stint, but it was such an important domestic tournament for especially players like yourself. And do you think that's where you really kind of emerged? Yes, you had that really amazing county season, but... It was also during the same time as the KSL. So how important was that for you? Yeah, majorly. That's I see that as sort of the moment that I set myself out there. So my first season, I was 18 and I opened the batting with Tammy Beaumont. I wasn't expecting to be in the 11, let alone opening the batting. Um, but yeah, I remember playing at the Oval and Catherine Brunt bowling at me and I hit her for four fours in the same over. And then from there, like the media sort of started taking a bit of notice and probably players in my own team were like, oh, okay, that's another team as well. But yeah, that was that was a major part for me. And then sort of that winter, I was asked to go to Abu Dhabi with the England team. So that was definitely, if it wasn't for that, I'd probably still be playing county cricket still and just sort of trying to do another job somewhere else as well. But yeah, the Super League, I mean, it's produced loads of players, not just me, so yeah. Really important. Just linking to that, you mentioned that you opened the batting with Tammy Beaumont and you were playing against the likes of Catherine Brunt. How do you prepare yourself 
for playing with and against these established England players? I didn't really know I was going to. That was probably, I went into it really like, I'm 18, I'm in the squad, that's great. But I was in the England Academy at the time. I was like, I still won't play because we've got overseas players, we've got some older girls. So yeah, I was, I think that was really good for me though. So it didn't, I wasn't overthinking things. It was literally like, just go and back. That's all that our coach said. He was like, just go and play the same way. Easy said and done, but I just tried to do that. And yeah, having Tammy at the other end was really helpful because she obviously knows what she's doing a lot more than me. Yeah, she was like, just, she could tell when I was getting sort of agitated and annoyed. She was like, just calm down, remember what you're doing. Yeah, and go from there. And I think we played every game that season together, which is always helpful having someone that you've battled with before. So yeah, just, it is a bit weird sort of having Catherine running up and bowling. And I was like, oh not sure about this like where's this come from but no you get used the more you do it like everything the more you do it you get used to it but it didn't really bother me because I was a bit naive to it it's a mindset thing as well though isn't it like yeah I think for me I'm very aware now that I've always got kind of like fear of failure so me growing up as a kid like I used to cry about going into the nets like I used to hate it I used to like not want to go to training and stuff this is just like you know recreationally whatever purely because it's that fear of like getting out first ball or whatever and you have to really challenge yeah. that so if you are a bit naive I guess you're a bit fearless at the same time so you don't have those things going on in your head you're just enjoying it and you're just like come on give it to me kind of thing yeah so like growing up I was such a shy person I wouldn't speak to anyone really and it was bordering on like there's something wrong with her but uh, I was so shy and like even now I'm not one of the loudest on the team but I feel like if I say something then it normally means something so like growing up I remember we had I just went down to the local club and there was like a it was we have an England women's player here and it was um I can't remember her name is it Rosalind Birch she played yeah yeah yeah. so I obviously I had no idea who she was but I was so shy that I didn't want to go and join in because I was like who is this person there was loads of other kids there and I was just like okay let's let's just take a step back here but I remember she came up to me and she was like, just give it a go. It was like a little competition, like how many balls can you hit as far as possible? So I had a go sort of afterwards when everyone had left. And I think I'd won or something because I was just like, oh, no one's here. I can just do what I want now. And then, yeah, like from there, I was like, it annoys me looking back. So I'm like, why didn't I just do it? Like I probably missed out on so many opportunities because I didn't want to put myself out there. But yeah, like having that mindset of, okay, Let's just give it a go. If it doesn't work, it's really not the end of the world. It's just cricket. And that's a big thing that I think a lot of people struggle with. Oh, I've got out first ball. It's the end of the world. It's really not. Like cricket's really not that important compared to everything else that's going on in the world. I guess especially as an opener, because it can happen, can't it? Like you can get out first ball and it can be the first ball of the match and you have to learn how to bounce back from that. Yeah, I remember, so that first England tour in 2018, I don't like thinking about it, but I will say it. So in the final, the tri-series, I was run out without facing the ball and I fell over and I was like, oh God, that was on TV. This is so embarrassing. I remember sitting in the changing rooms, like head down, like, what have I just done? I'm never going to play for England again. And it's that looking back, I'm like, yeah, it happened. I can laugh about it now. It often gets brought up at family dinners obviously in India they didn't know really know what was going on and they woke up the next morning and saw it and they were like oh no what's happened but yeah 
you know you like the more it happens you just learn to go sometimes the bowlers can bowl a good ball and there's nothing you can do about it but is it the end of the world no do I have another go next week yes let's see what happens I love that and we need to get a bit more positive now so less on the negative <laughs> and I'm talking about getting out first ball and stuff um, and not facing yeah so thinking about the positives so back on the KSL you mentioned that media attention that you did receive after having some amazing form back in the 2018-2019 kind mm-hmm. of years so how did you deal with that switch I guess from being kind of known but then being well known? I embraced it I think but I was never I, like, I still I use social media a bit but I'm never sort of like I must look at this this and this about myself but yeah I quite enjoyed it just like yeah having people know what I'm good at really that like, it wasn't too fast like I had some negative stuff on social media in the last KSL but actually it doesn't matter I don't really care about that because it's one dodgy bit of cricket that I've done but actually I've done so much more better stuff in the past but um yeah it was there's obviously good and bad bits, but yeah, I really embraced it and I tried to sort of use it for myself as well. So can I use this sort of attention and go and do something at a local club or something and get some more girls to come and play cricket? And that's something that I try and do as much as I can, really. When I've got time, can I get down and get as many girls as possible to something if I'm there and things like that? Obviously, 2018 just keeps getting better and better for you. <laughs> But with that KSL win, tell us about the final and tell us about the celebrations. It was a really good day. So we made finals day the year before and we lost in the semis. So that was sort of like, we went into it going, right, let's not feel that again. Because that was, it was, it hit us quite badly. But no, we had, it was an interesting tournament because we were sort of never going to make finals day. And then we suddenly won our last, we had to win our last three or four games. And we just went out and said, right, Let's just give it give it our all. If we win, that's great. If we don't, then we've gone out giving it our best. But yeah, um, so we played. The semi was a really close game in the morning. I think we played Western Storm. I hate close games. Yeah, not the best at sort of sitting and watching. But we got through that. And then the final was when Lizelle Lee just decided to go out and score 100 off not many balls. So we that was definitely the easier of the games, even though it was the final, I think. Yeah, it was that sort of the first major thing that I'd won. And then doing it with a sorry shirt on made it even special, even more special because I'd grown up with some of the players playing with me. I knew the coaches really well for years and years. So, yeah, it was very special. Celebrations were special as well. I think the sorry chief executive even got his credit card out behind the bar. So that's always a good thing. I've just realised as well what match that was properly because that was the first year that I did media with Lightning in the KSL and that was obviously they got to find they, <laughs> they didn't turn up and Lizelle Lee oh my god and I think you like you guys injured um Sophie Devine within like the first overall yep. something I think she like broke her hand <laughs> or her thumb or something dramatic yeah you <laughs> just destroyed Lightning that that day yeah. It was, was a pretty good game. <laughs> it was it was crazy. Now it's like it's all coming back to me now. Like, yeah, that game was just mad. I opened with Lizelle and then she ran me out and I said, right, don't worry about it, just go and get a hundred to make up for it. And I remember sitting there on the sidelines. We were quite like a superstitious group. So once you've had your seat, you don't move. I remember sitting there like, she's actually gonna do this. Like she's gonna get a hundred here. Still had my full kit on because I didn't want to move and it was just Sometimes you just got to sit there and think, wow, like that, 
that's pretty good that she's absolutely like we'd won that game before we'd even started fielding really so yeah it was pretty special so savage like <laughs> absolutely they like you just got on a total that lightning couldn't chase and it just kind of crumbled and it was yeah. really disappointing actually seeing how well lightning is like in that build-up and then you guys were just too strong and deserved to be absolutely crown champions and it was a really good spe- even though it wasn't close match it was a really good spectacle because yeah i've just how often do you see players come alive like that yeah absolutely and that was like we knew she had it in her that was the thing like that was her first season with us or maybe it was her second I can't remember and we were like okay she's got something left in her like she hadn't had the best of tournaments and we're like right she's either gonna get out cheaply here or she's gonna go big unfortunately she went massive (laughs) you've obviously played in the KSL and then having it shifted to the Rachel Hoho trophy how difficult or challenging is it to change from playing in a t20 format to then it being expanded to 50 overs it was a bit strange especially last summer you know we didn't really know if we were going to play any cricket and if we were was it going to be 50 over was it going to be t20 so I was in the England bubble as well so I didn't know if I play at all in the Rachel Hayo Flint I wanted to because obviously I'd I was contracted by the stars then. So I was a bit like, I want to go, I want to go and play. I want to play as much as possible. So I think we played the first two games with the team. And it's always challenging when you've got a brand new team, you know, built from scratch really. I think there was four of us contracted, but we hadn't actually spent any time together. Like we didn't really know. We didn't have a proper head coach. We were sort of let's just get through this summer sort of thing. But yeah, it's weird like turning up on a match day and I'm like who are you but um (laughs) luckily because our region's only Surrey and Kent so we haven't got that much to cover all of us pretty much knew everyone there's one or two we didn't know very well but everyone knows everyone which is really nice um but yeah like going from t20 to 50 over it is takes some time to get used to but you know we've had to do it for years so it's not it's not like the men where they go test 50 over t20 and they have that structure, we're always a bit like, right, what are we doing today? Is it 220? Is it 50 over? So, yeah, you just get used to switching on on a day and seeing what happens. Of course, COVID impacted 2020 a lot last year, and it's still impacting this year a little bit. How difficult was it to train with COVID always being a factor with lockdowns, etc.? Yeah, it's been difficult. It's been weird. Like, for we're so lucky that we were allowed to train. I think if we weren't, I would have driven myself mad by now. But yeah, it's it's just the little things like you've got to fill out a form every day before you go to training. You don't fill it out, you can't go sort of thing. And like you can't be as a group together. I think that's one of the things that we wanted to do as a team was just be together as much as possible. But obviously it's not quite the same over Zoom, is it? With the amount of meetings we've had on Zoom is it's frustrating, but... Um, we're just so thankful that we could do it and I think from this week we're allowed a few more people in at the same time and we're starting to get outside of it now which is always good you know stuck in the sports hall in the middle of November with the same people every day can get a bit bit interesting (laughs) but um, no it's been challenging but yeah we're just glad that we could do it really even if you only see the same few people that's okay because we're at the house and you mentioned that the Southie Stars covers Surrey and Kent 
and with COVID impacting training and things like that, how difficult is it to build that team morale and that team that team <laughs> unity when you're only working with certain members of the team? Yeah, it has been hard. But as I said, like we all pretty much knew each other coming in. Like some of the Kent girls I've played against since I was under 11s, like the Megan Belts, Phoebe Franklin, two names that we grew up playing against each other. And it's a bit weird actually coming into the same team because we know each other really well, but then it's a bit like I've never actually played with you. So how how do we switch between that? But um, yeah, we've done a lot. We've tried to meet up on Zoom a few times just to keep, just see each other's faces really. And especially with new staff coming in as well, it, how can we get them involved as well? Because that's really important for us. And we didn't want it to be a players group and a staff group. We wanted it to be, can we be together as much as possible but yeah we've got I think we're all meeting up this weekend actually we've got an internal game so it'd be nice to there's a few names I haven't seen since November so it'd be good to actually see everyone yeah it must be hard to get that kind of team identity flowing as well like if you could describe what the Southeast Stars team identity is what would it be like what type of cricket is your brand of cricket to play yeah don't give too much away so we actually had a meeting about this the other day. We want to just play a really positive round of cricket. We want to, you know, if we're faced with a decision, can we take the brave option? Can we almost be like the England white ball team now? Can we, you know, attack from ball one with both bat and ball and put pressure on the opposition? But um, yeah, we've also got a big thing of being people first and cricket second. You know, can we help other people if they're struggling in the team first and then? think about cricket later and then can we get out to the community and help others people you know grow the women's game in general things like that but yeah the main thing is can we be as positive as possible if it doesn't work out let's not dwell on it too much obviously sometimes you need to have a meeting about it but actually let's just back each other to get out there and play for the team and not as individuals yeah and I really like that and I guess it's quite hard but also quite exciting as well when it is a new brand because obviously this year is the second year of this regional structure so it must be pretty exciting to be one of those players making history and shaping it the way you want your region to look for the future. Yeah definitely it's always nice to have like a blank slate like we've got you know we've got the ability to build something completely new and we can do it the way we want to do it really and you know having full-time players and staff that's going to give us the best time to do it so yeah we want everyone in the squad involved but actually as a group of four or five of us as contracted girls how can we drive the environment and make decisions on behalf of the team of where we want to be and how we're going to go about it and yeah as long as we don't get too carried away I don't see why it shouldn't work out. With the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy coming up at the end of May, how have preparations been going? How's it all working? Like, how's the team gelling? Yeah, we're going really well. Um, obviously, with all the restrictions, it's been a bit random at times of you know training times and everything. So, but no, everyone's looking really good. Actually, I said earlier we've got sort of our first internal game this weekend, so it's the first time we get to actually see people out in the middle it's always different once you get outside you know we were lucky to use the marquee at the oval a few times which is always good and just to be around that sort of ground inspires quite a few people but um I'm hoping if we can take what we've done indoors outdoors I don't see why we can't really push this year and 
hopefully get hands on on the trophy. And the first match is against the Sunrisers. So are you looking forward to that? And obviously, like reflecting on last year, you know a bit about them now. Yeah, and our head coach, so we've got Johan Myberg as our coach, and he was actually Sunrisers assistant last year. So we've got you know, a little bit of inside info. But no, we're all really looking forward to so we've got county games first in a few weeks, but we're all ultimately that's our goal that first game uh, at the end of May. And hopefully we can hit the ground running and yeah, start the tournament off really well. I think we're at Chelmsford as well. So it's always a special place to go back to after my baby. And you just mentioned Myberg as well. So I knew him when he was a player because I used to work at Somerset back when I was like a teenager and stuff in yeah. the reception area. And he was one of the nicest players I've ever met. So what's he like as a coach? Yeah, he's he's fitted in really well. I'll be honest, I didn't know anything about him before, really. Um, but no, he's a really nice guy. Like the, One of the th- first things he said to me was like, I want you girls to be happy. And that's just sort of, as soon as you hear that from a coach, like, okay, like it just puts your mind at, at ease straight away, thinking, okay, like if I am struggling, I can go and talk to him and things like that. But no, he's been really good. I think he's struggling with the weather. He's always got at least sort of four layers on in the coat, but um, we're getting him used to the fact that it's April, we will be going outside, no matter the weather. But no, he's been really good. And yeah, just like a genuine nice guy, which is always nice to be around. God, he sounds like me when I used to live in Leeds for university. In regards to your teammates, who are the key players and the ones we should be looking out for in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint trophy this season? Well, Tash is our captain, Tash Barrent. So um, she led the way brilliantly last year with the ball. And um, yeah, hopefully this year after the New Zealand selection as well, she can really um, sort of put her hand up for more England games. We've got Alice Davison-Richards, who's obviously played for England as well. And she's I know she's really looking to sort of put her hand up again and show what she can do. Younger girls, we've got Alice Capsey, who's, you know, a lot of people speak about her being the next sort of, the next big thing England wise, she's only 16, which is ridiculous. She's still like a 12 year old in my head. I've known her for I've known her for a long time. And yeah, hopefully she can just go out and play as freely as possible. That's what we're hoping and not get too carried away with what the media say about her. But yeah, I think she's definitely one to watch this year. Yeah, you've got a lot of kind of England talent mm-hmm. around you, haven't you? Like a lot of players within your squad have had their shot at England like even looking through the squad list now you've got like even Susie Rowe who obviously left the game for a bit playing a bit yeah. of hockey so you've got players like that with lots of experience but you've also got a relatively young squad could we say? A very young squad they make me feel old sometimes but yeah it, we were looking about it the other day the average age is about 20 21 so it's we're very young but even though they are young they've actually got a lot of experience in them so like even someone like Alice he's played county cricket for years even though she's still 16 she's actually got a lot she's in the England Academy so yeah even though we're all very young we've got a lot behind us and hopefully we can show it this year I think one of your teammates might kill me for this but I was just looking at <laughs> Kirsty White because it's a name that I'm not familiar with but then she was in the Surrey Stars and the Super League and everything by the looks of things which I completely <laughs> apologize for not knowing her name <laughs> that's why like we need more media coverage like we yeah we need one of you to be on the consciousness of everybody in the public <laughs> and stuff. But she made her county debut in 2002. So I'm sure she yeah. was playing cricket before some of your squad members were even born. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, I've played with Kirsty for years. Like, when I first started in the first team, I was 16 and she was 
she was opening the batting still there and I was like oh never heard of you but let's go here but no yeah there's some names like like Alice and like Rihanna Southby who I've known since I was her captain at under 11s Rihanna and she was so small like she's still tiny but like looking back now I still see little Rihanna like I can't believe that she's 20 but um yeah like I think it does get mentioned quite a lot that what year were you born like 2000 something I'm like that's ridiculous that's not okay <laughs> like how does it all work like is it just a bit of mickey taking like are people just is it like a lot of banter or yeah it's just part of being in the team you know you, there's going to be people at different ages but yeah it is because Kirsty actually taught rihanna at school that's the weird thing about it so when rihanna was at college Kirsty was one of the sort of lecturers so that's always been brought up like really your teachers here you got to behave yourself and things like that but no yeah, we've got a really good vibe around the squad. So that sort of stuff always gets thrown around, which is nice. Yeah, good. And just to clarify, 33 isn't old either. No, she's not that old. Yeah, I was saying, 33 <laughs> is still young. Like, she's going to keep on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, like, one of the biggest things, though, is, like, I mentioned in previous podcasts as well, one of my biggest irritations is, like, sometimes some media may try to write players out of the game and say, for example, with Catherine Brunt, like, when is she going to retire? Who's going to replace her? And yeah. it's like, well, she's still performing. So can we stop with that? Like, yeah. can we stop with that whole narrative? Because it's not helpful. And this whole idea that as soon as you get anywhere close to 30, you're old. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, Anderson's, what, 38? I can't remember how it is. He's still going. Yeah, people say he should retire, but he's still the leading wicket taker. Like, it doesn't matter if you're 30 plus in normal life. That's just just getting started. So why are we talking about being old? Exactly. And it's it's nice as well for, like, people to come into the game at all ages because cricket's one of those games where you can, like, you get old blokes down the park, don't you? So, like, I want to see more old women down the park playing. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Obviously, the 100 was cancelled last year. But it is going to go ahead this year. How excited are you about the 100? And how excited are you to be playing for the Welsh Fire? Yeah, I'm really excited. I, a lot of people said to me, like, why are you going to Wales? Like, why? There's a team based at Surrey. Why are you going over there? But um, I just wanted a new challenge. I'd always played my cricket at home. No, Surrey Stars, Surrey. I'd always been based in South London. I was like, actually, let's go and do something different. And then I couldn't really turn down the chance to play with Meg Lanning, Beth Mooney and Matthew Mott. So I was like, OK, it doesn't actually matter where I'm going to be. Let's just go to what's going to be best for me. And hopefully I can, yeah, really put my name out there and do some good performances. But no, really looking forward to it. Also, how excited are you to be playing with England legendary wicketkeeper Sarah Taylor, who <laughs> was recently announced to play for the Welsh Fire? To be honest, I didn't know it was happening until it got released on Twitter. So that's how much I know at the moment. But um, now I played with her. She was with us at the Surrey Stars for the last two years at the KSL. So um, I know her really well. And obviously being around the England setup, I've got to know her well. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see if she's a bit rusty or not. But um, I'm sure she'll be absolutely. And again, it's going to be another competition where you're going to be around the likes of all those big names that you've mentioned. But is there any frustration, do you think, you want to get some of them out of your way so you can get that opening spot or do you feel like quite comfortable that you're going to be given that opening spot and it's for them to fight for it? I try not to think about it because you know if I don't perform then I don't really have an option but um, yeah it's always at the back of your mind like right who's my competition who do I need to outperform but actually 
just go and for me the less I think about it the better I am because I just go out and that doesn't matter who's bowling at me who's watching and everything but as long as I go out and perform and ultimately get the team across the line that's really all that I'm worried about but yeah it'd be nice to put my name out there a bit more and put my hand up. So I don't know if it has been updated or not, whether you've got any exciting news or anything, but um, getting awarded one of the rookie contracts with England. How was that? Like, it must have been over the moon. Yeah, it was weird because I didn't expect it. So I didn't actually know about it until, so I'd finished working. So I was sort of out in the open. I didn't know if I had a contract or not um, until I went up to Loughborough and he was like, yeah, we're going to give you a rookie. So I was on a rookie for two years and it was a big change from going to have being just training when I can and working to then actually being up at Loughborough three four days a week you know just focusing on cricket so much but yeah I can looking back at it it helped me so much like going into that 2018-19 summer being able to train full time you know I saw the benefits straight away not just on the pitch but off the pitch doing all the fitness work and stuff just having the time to fully focus on things and not having to worry about I've got to get up and go to work tomorrow. I've got to teach a lesson. I've got this fixture here and here. But yeah, it was hard to, it took me a while to get used to. But once you sort of get used to the, the structure of it, it was really beneficial and really exciting. And then obviously now as one of the, the contracted players with the Southeast Stars, again, it, I guess it just gives you that security that you can do what you love for a living. Yeah, and that's always something that's spoken about like the rookie contracts were only like year year long contracts so you never knew if you're going to get another one but um yeah being able to train down here more and not have to go up and travel has been really good for me and yeah just getting used to a bit more of a normal structure and not having to drive however many hours up to Loughborough and staying around the house somewhere in the hotel yeah but yeah it's been really nice to have that security and also just be around the staff and players that I'm used to as well it's been nice to sort of take a step back from that England environment and actually really settle in down here and not have too much disruption (laughs) going on around me so yeah it's been really nice. What do you wish you'd known about the game when you were younger that you know now? I think maybe how much this is sort of a bit of a woolly answer but like how much impact we actually have as players and just yeah like actually if I do go to a local club and see a few people then actually they're actually going to benefit from that and they can come back into the game so I knew that earlier I probably would have done a bit more stuff so I'm now doing a lot of coaching trying to get my qualifications and stuff for that just as a bit of a backup plan just because you never know what's going to happen you could get injured one week and never be able to play again so having sort of that backup plan but yeah I think that didn't really answer your question but yeah just that how well known you could become and how much impact you have on others yeah no I really liked that answer about obviously like inspiring younger girls and stuff but I guess there's also a pressure to try and balance that yeah so obviously you want to be able to help grow the game but that responsibility is quite it shouldn't just be on your shoulders kind of thing so how do you try to balance that I guess it's just thinking about trying to plan things really and sort of looking at the schedule and how when's a good time to try and do like a proper good chunk of coaching or something and getting out there and then actually like this sort of time period now actually I need to think about myself more because the season's coming up and I need to perform sort of thing so it's yeah like working out during the winter is the best time to do those things of getting out there and going to schools and things like that but making sure 
first and foremost, have I done what I need to do at training? If that's a yes, then I can go and do something else and not just doing something and sacking off training. Just to conclude the serious questions, and <laughs> what are your hopes and aspirations and goals really for the rest of 2021 and for the season ahead? I think really going out there and staking a claim for myself. You know, there's a lot. It's a really busy summer. There's a few England series as well. So if I can get off to a really good start in both the county and the regional stuff, just, yeah, giving them no real reason not to pick me, I think, getting that bulk of runs behind me and wickets as well. But um, yeah, and then just for the 100, just actually going and enjoying it. I think you can get really cooped up in, right, I need to perform. I need to get runs. I need to impress this person, this person. But actually, let's go and enjoy it and learn from the players around me because. You can't, you've got Meg Lanning there, you know, she knows what she's doing, let's learn from her and things like that. So yeah, hopefully score lots of runs, take a lot of wickets and win some trophies. That's such a nice way to end as well. <laughs> and you're still young as well. So I think everything yeah. you've said so far has been amazing and it's such a nice, refreshing kind of attitude and outlook and hopefully you'll get that England call up again very soon and cement your place become one of the regulars and take over the world um but we've just got a few quick questions uh just for quick fire ones and then we'll let you escape so alex would you like to do the quick fire questions favorite genre of music cheesy pop like old school favorite musician slash artist big fan of mcfly when i was younger strong choice (laughs) wait wait, when you were younger or like still currently yeah Last TV show you binge watched? What have I been watching? I feel like I've completed Netflix over lockdown. What did I watch? Brooklyn Nine Nine. I binge watched about four times in lockdown. So yeah, it'll be that. <laughs> yes, on like a house on fire because that is literally my favourite show on the entire planet. I talk about it so much that I actually got Hannah into watching it because she's never seen it before. <laughs> how how she's not seen it? Or any episode from the seven seasons, I don't understand. I have to admit, I've only watched one. Um, I still have to actually keep watching it, Alex. I do apologise. It was funny. It was it was a good start, but one not out. Piggybacking off of that question, who's your favourite character in Brooklyn Nine-Nine? It's got to be Jake, surely. Just like every time I see who, who plays him, Andy Sandberg, I just think that's Jake Peralta, like. Who who is this guy pretending to be Andy someone? Like that's not him, but yeah. <laughs> Last film you watched. It was quite a serious one. The I can't remember what it's called. The Trial of the Chicago Seven, I think, on Netflix. Yeah. We went a bit deep and watched a serious one for a change. That was really good. This is Hannah's favourite, but favourite sledge, either one that you've said or one that you've heard. Favourite sledge. I mean, they're all so cheesy, aren't they? Like the classic send those bales to Wales. Always like, more blocks in Legoland. Always enjoyed that one. I've never said it. Refused to say it. <laughs> You're going as if you had like loads in your locker then. So mm. more leaves in a tree. That's another classic. I think that, yeah, top three, those three. Hannah will now reveal her favourite one that's been revealed <laughs> on the podcast. I mean, now I feel like I need to change it because it's actually getting a bit boring now. You know, just big swing, no ding. I love it when people say that. No, yeah. not that one. Roberta's one. <laughs> oh, see, I don't even know myself. Uh, no, Roberta's one is so many dots like a Dalmatian or something like that. Roberta from Brazil. Link up with her. She's super cool. Yeah, get a tour to Brazil. Brazil. I keep telling her. Oh, everyone, yeah. Overseas tour. 
So for about two seasons, she was saying to the umpire, what's up? Instead of, how's that? So we love a good pun. Yeah, honestly, get yourselves over there because I'm honest, I feel like I'm going to write a book about cricket in Brazil to get over there. I think if uni could pay me to do a project there, that'd be amazing. Or if anybody's listening and wants to sponsor. (laughs) Best mate in the team. Alice Davidson Richards. Very rare that a full namer. ADR. We've known each other for a long time. Yeah. Spent far too much time together. Who's got the best fashion sense in the team? Ooh, there's some interesting fashion in the team. Tash Farron's got her own sort of style, so I'll go with Tash. Who's got the worst banter in the team? Probably myself. I make myself laugh. That's all that matters, isn't it? Who's got the worst music taste in the team? Probably, if I go... The whole squad, probably our S&C coach guy. He's into like hard rock in a gym and it's just, it's just, just too intense. I can't deal with that. This last one, which Hannah has also liked because she tweeted out about this and got a few responses, but favourite tea item? Tea item? Ooh, oh, I mean, the whole cricket team is just so nice. Like chocolate brownie or something like that would be good. Bit of pizza, bit of brownie. Oh yeah, bit of cold pizza. <laughs> and then if there's pasta as well, oh, all the carbs. Yeah, you've got a triple carb it on a cricket team. It's a long day. I think when we last asked that question, I think we may have sparked the debate on how you say scone. Is it scone or is it scone? Scone, hundred percent. And finally, Bryony, where can our listeners find you on social media, on Twitter, Instagram? Not Facebook, because that's a bit too personal. <laughs> yeah, Twitter, what's my username? Smith 97 I think. Instagram, Smith 97 Classic year you were born vibes. Yeah. Perfect. Well, we can let you escape now. Thank you so much for doing this at such short notice as well. Sounds good. Thank you. Massive thank you to Bryony for coming on and being a guest on the podcast. We wish her all the luck and success in the world for the upcoming season with the South East Stars and with her 100 team, the Welsh Fire. It's really great and inspiring to see all she's achieved at such a young age. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketChat and on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. And if you wanted to give our personal Twitters a follow, Hannah is at HannahT1194 and I'm at Alex Jane Pereira. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time. Bye.